And Mike is gone now. <laughs> hey, we are going to receive our tithes and offerings at this time. So if you brought a gift, you can prepare that. And uh, if you're new, please don't feel any pressure to give whatsoever. We are just glad that you're here. And I am just overjoyed what a generous church we have. Uh, looking back at the last series and what God has continued to do in our church is just amazing uh, how uh, we all give so generously and to see the things God is doing in our church. So ushers, you can come forward. We're going to receive offering uh, at this time. Um, so I have a question for you as we get started this morning. If uh, you can think of a time, maybe re uh, remember the last time that you felt very humbled by something. Um, and let's try and think back previous from the apple cup, all right? So when was the last time you felt very humbled? Uh, I know that when I was writing this and I was thinking of the many stories of when I felt extremely humbled. Uh, there's many life circumstances that uh, have humbled me over time. And uh, there was this one I was thinking about uh, that when I was in college, uh, I was about maybe a freshman or sophomore in college, I had this nice truck and I had this really great idea to sell the truck. It was a Toyota Tacoma. Sell the truck. I'm going to use the, the money to like probably go buy a bunch of random dumb stuff. And then uh, I'm going to buy and sell some cars on Craigslist and just reap a wonderful profit. And so this one car comes across. It was just a beauty. It was a 1995 Dodge Monaco. And uh, I, I uh, walked away from that deal. Steal of a deal. $300. Low blue book value on the car was like 1200 I thought I was going to just like flip the, flip the car and just make a, a nice profit. It had a few dings and dents in it, you know. Uh, it had a few minor cosmetic issues and a few mechanical things, but nothing anyone couldn't overlook, you know. It fogged up on the inside. No big deal. Um, and so as I drove it for the next day or two, week, I noticed the problem started getting really bad. And we're like, the whole inside would fog up and have this really bad, like, urine-type smell. And you'd have to drive and, like, try and wipe the window and everything. And come to find out that it's just leaking all kinds of fluids in down into the heater core. And then it's burning and coming up and these toxic fumes filling the car. And so I got to this point where, like, I realized the car probably wasn't going to sell for what I thought it was. And so now here I am driving down the road. And I had to go buy a gas mask and wear my gas mask when I drove my car. So here I am driving down the road with a gas mask on, windows rolled down, and people driving by me thinking like, who is this nut job in Spokane? Needless to say, uh, by the third time I hit emissions and they kept denying me, I felt very humbled. So what did I do? I traded in for a moped, obviously. And so now I drive a moped, which is also a slight humbling experience. People point and laugh, but it's, it's, it's all good. The only problem is, is when it rains now, I just have to beg students for a ride home from youth group. So. And they generously take their youth pastor home uh, in the event that I can't ride my moped in the rain. But maybe as you thought of like maybe some experiences in your life where you felt a little bit humbled, uh, we're going to look at... Uh, uh, a, story, a story in the Bible, kind of along the same vein of how Jesus humbled himself, not uh, for our sake 
and for our benefit. And that Jesus also, he understands the times that we feel humbled and humiliated at the same time. And Jesus humbled himself in the most incredible way. And that's what we're going to look at this morning as we continue our series throughout Advent. And this series that we're looking at uh, called The Heart of Christmas is really we're uh, trying to understand, well, what is the heart of Christmas? So we're looking at some of the most famous Bible narratives uh, regarding Christmas, and we're also looking at the key people in those passages, how God uh, asked them to do something, and they said yes to God. And Scott illustrated last week how God is a God of yes and how he desires this to say yes to us and our needs and to be present with us. And he also desires that we would say yes in return. And Scott uh, talked about the story of Mary, how she said yes to God by being used by him. And so as we continue to look uh, further into this this morning, looking at the heart of Christmas, you know, just a great question to start is uh, to think about, well, what is the heart of Christmas for me? And maybe for you as you're sitting here, what is the heart of Christmas for you? What is the real heart of Christmas for you? As you think about it and as you imagine about it and as you dream about it, you think about it, what is the heart of Christmas? Maybe for you, it's something along the lines of you really hope you get that, your parents get you that one gift that you're asking for or that your uh, spouse gets you something or whatever it is. You're hoping that that one gift or all those gifts you're asking for are gonna be there under the tree. And And then if it's not, well, then maybe you'll feel like a little disappointed or let down and uh, it's not all, uh, doesn't quite hit the mark. Maybe for you, it's that you have this imagination, this picture of like all the, the family coming together, everyone getting along, and there's just like this picturesque, like Hallmark movie kind of episode that takes place in your own home and how wonderful and beautiful it is. Maybe the heart of Christmas is for you is something like that, hoping that something like that takes place. Or maybe the heart of Christmas really is that you feel like you, uh, it's about you going and buying all the perfect gifts for all the people in your family. But we all kind of imagine and dream of what Christmas should be like, what makes Christmas Christmas for us. But each year, Christmas comes and goes, and for many people, Christmas doesn't quite hit the mark of maybe what they thought it should have. And, and kind of the heart of Christmas that you hold on to gets lost. A little bit. And maybe in like all the hustle and bustle of Christmas and we all get so extremely busy and we're working so hard for that, that Christmas to work out like the way we think it should work out, maybe in turn we've all, or some of us at least, have lost the focus of the true heart of Christmas. And maybe that's not being fully embraced in our lives, in our homes, and in our relationships. And so our focus this morning as we look at this It's going to come out of those two uh, Bible verses that Joel and Becca read. That there's this many prophecies in the Old Testament that speak of Jesus. And one of those talks about how uh, he will be born of a virgin and be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And how God can be with us right now. And the other comes out of Luke, which Becca read. And let's read that one more time because this is where we're going to draw from this morning out of these stories. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, 
The time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. At the center of what we celebrate is right here. The, the, the true heart of Christmas is found right here in this passage. The center of the holiday in the season, the heart of Christmas is Jesus saying yes to God the Father who asked him and sent him to be with us. And if you just think of all the ways that he could have entered the world and all the ways that he could have shown himself to the world and revealed himself to the world, he chose to be born in one of the most inconvenient, humble, unspectacular places in this dirty, lonely manger by two people or from Mary and her soon-to-be husband, Joseph, who were kind of nobodies. He chose this, this way to enter the world. And at the center of, of this holiday and this season and Christmas, the heart of Christmas is about Jesus saying yes. And the actual narrative of Luke doesn't go into tons of details. Some of uh, the other gospel goes into a little more de details. But what we're going to draw from as well is out of the book of Philippians, where Paul kind of talks about how Jesus humbled himself for you and for me. And it comes out of Philippians 2. And it talks about how the, uh, Jesus emptied himself of his divine privilege in order to take on his role as our Savior. So Paul writes, who being uh, in very nature God, of God, did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Talking about Jesus here. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. God the Father asked Jesus, where their, their heart broke for the world that they created. And he asked him, would you go? And he said yes to that, leaving his eternal holy place in heaven and entering our broken world, our sinful world, and humbling himself from, um, from where this all-powerful God who spoke the world into existence now humbled himself, coming from all his majesty and glory in heaven, entering our world. And the God who spoke everything into existence now has to learn how to speak again as a baby. <clears throat> has to learn how to crawl, walk, get his diaper changed. The incarnation took place in the most unlikely setting where he could have come in this blaze of triumphant glory, where everyone bowed down and worshiped him and he just kind of floated around and seems kind of cool. And one day that might happen, at least the floating part might, but one day he will come again in a blaze of glory. But in this time here, he came in the most humble way. Because Jesus humbled himself to be present with us. That name Emmanuel, which is God with us. The king of the universe humbled himself, not just to be in our broken world and to come down and kind of walk around. He didn't humble himself just to be in the broken world, but he came to be present within our very own brokenness, to be present with us. He humbled himself where he left 
heaven and left all his glory so he could come be present in our very own sinful nature and in our brokenness, to be present in our hurts, to be present in our failures, to be present in our successes, to be present within our families and within our relationships. He came to be present within our loneliness. He came to be present within our sin and our shame, to be present in the highlights of life and far beyond that. Jesus came, he didn't live this lavish life, but experienced life much more impoverished. And he experienced loneliness and disappointments and betrayal and physical pain, sadness, anger, temptation. Jesus left all his majesty and all his glory in heaven to be present with you and me, to understand us, to understand exactly what you go through. And so as we're here today, we're kind of looking at what the real heart of Christmas is. No matter what you're going through right now or what your life looks like today, Jesus is present with you. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He's present with you. That if you come in today and you know, feeling uh, sick and, or you come in today with uh, uh, hurts, that God is present. Jesus is present with you within your illness or within your pain. Jesus is present within you today if you come in here lonely. Jesus is present with you if you come in feeling depressed or Jesus is present with you if you come in feeling excited and happy because Christmas is around the corner and you have family coming in town. You can't wait to see him. Jesus is present within your joy and your happiness. And this seems like it would have been enough. This seems like, you know, that's a lot for the God of the universe to do, to come down just to be present with us and to get to know us and desire a relationship with us and to be present within our very own hurts. It seems like that would have been enough, but he took it another step further. Jesus humbled himself not only to be in our world and not only to be within our very own brokenness, but he humbled himself all the way to die for us. And it would have been an act of stupendous Humility if the Lord Jesus had done nothing more than take to himself our own humanity. But he did much, much more than that. In that humanity, he died. Dying itself would have been this astonishing act of humility. But there's even more. His death was like no other. It was the death on a cross. One of the most brutal ways someone could have died. And of course, Jesus was not the only man who was crucified on a cross. Many died on the cross. But no other death on the cross compared to his. There he became the sin bearer of all the people, standing in their place, receiving the wrath of God instead of us and all the world receiving the wrath of God. The death of Christ was Nothing less than Christ experiencing hell for his people so that they would never have to experience it themselves. This was his life mission. The most humble servant, God himself came for us to be with us, to be present with us. And then all the way to dying on a cross, humbling himself. And so as we celebrate Christmas, what the, the real heart of Christmas is, is Jesus being present with you and with me. The real heart of Christmas is the life that Jesus lived, him being born so that he could die, that we might live 
in freedom and in relationship with him. That we could live a life not feeling guilt and shame for the sin that we carry, not being separated from God. Because the Bible says that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And sin separates us. But Jesus came in a very humbling way and lived a life and experienced so much. And then dying on the cross, bridging the gap between us and God, taking on our sin when we should have been punished. And so in all the the hustle and the busyness of Christmas, I think sometimes God just wants us to sit or stand just in awe of the story of Jesus, that we get to celebrate and we get to give gifts and we get to have wonderful family time and we get to laugh and we get to cry together because of what Jesus did. We get to experience amazing traditions, very sentimental things that revolve around Christmas, not because we made some special thing up, but because Jesus was born and he humbled himself to be present with us. The heart of Christmas is this amazing, redemptive, saving story of Jesus. It was prophecy fulfilled that we might stop, be in awe of him, and just receive his grace. So today, we're gonna do that very thing. We're gonna stop and be in awe of him and receive his grace. Today, we're going to take communion together. And then we're gonna come back, and I have a few more words for us. But we're just gonna try and take a big, deep breath. And we're just gonna experience the heart of Christmas, which is Jesus, the birth of Christ, And laying, you know, putting aside a little bit of the things that we call the heart of Christmas. And we're just going to worship the one who spoke the world into motion. The one who died for us and saved us from our sin. The one who came to be present with us. Present within our needs. Present within our brokenness. The one who says, I care for you and love you. That I desperately am longing to be in a relationship with you that I came from heaven and glory and majesty down into the very humbling nature of a baby, that I might live a life and die for you, that you would never have to experience the wrath of God or hell itself. And communion today, that's what we're gonna celebrate. We're just gonna remember all of what, who God is, who Jesus is, and what he's done for us. And that's really what communion is all about. Communion is really just about remembering who Jesus is. It's really about remembering the price that he paid on the cross. It's remembering the story of Christmas. Jesus being born and the life that he lived. And so you might stand here or sit here and think, you know, well, is that something that I can partake in? Is that something that's for me? And I just want you to know that this is for everyone. Everyone who loves Jesus and calls him his Lord. That's what it's for. It doesn't need any special blessing from anyone. It doesn't need anything like that. You can come as you are. 
It's just about remembering who Jesus is and what he's done. And for those of you who aren't in a relationship with Jesus this morning, I want to invite you to say yes to him today. And then you too get to come forward and partake in this wonderful tradition of just remembering God and thanking him for what he's done. And if you've never entered into that relationship, I want you to know a few things. That one, God desperately loves you. That he wants to forgive you of the things that you've done. He wants to give you this free gift called grace. That you might be in a relationship with him. That he died specifically for you. And that he's been calling you all the way up until this moment. And so if you want to receive that grace, the Jesus who wants to be present with you within your afflictions, the Jesus who wants to be present with you within your happiness and your sadness, I want to give you an opportunity to accept that right now and to begin to follow him. So if everyone would bow their heads and close their eyes, if that's you and you want to enter into that relationship, you just have to pray a very simple prayer. And if you just pray that, repeat after me. God, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Thank you for being present with me and all that I am right now. Thank you for tying on a cross for me. I believe in you. Forgive me of my sins. I want to trust you with my life. Would you come into my heart you be my Lord and my Savior. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, there's a party going on in heaven right now. And that is the best decision you could have ever made. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing a song. We're going to worship God. And we're just going to be in awe of Him this morning. We're just going to be in awe of the story of Jesus. We're going to take communion together. So as we sing this, as you feel ready, come forward. And let's take communion together. And then I'll be back up with a few more closing words. Let's worship. Let's just thank God for a moment here. God, thank you, Lord, for sending your son, Jesus. God, thank you for the story of Christmas. Thank you for dying for us. God, that we might be in relationship with you. Thank you for being present with us in our needs. Amen. So as we continue on, what is this? What now? So as we read this and as we think about the story of Christmas, the real heart of Christmas what does this mean for us? How do we more fully embrace the heart of Christmas? What part do we play in this grand story? Paul outlines this in that same passage in Philippians where he talks about the the humbled nature of Jesus, that he came and left his glory and he came into our world and into our brokenness, that he humbled himself to be a servant for us, to put our needs ahead of 
the life that he could have lived. So he lived this humbled life for us. And Paul continues in Philippians, he says, because Jesus this, therefore, here's what happens for us. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having that same love that Jesus did, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And then here, take this. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but to each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have that same mindset as Christ Jesus. Have the same mindset that Jesus came and humbled himself for us, and therefore, in turn, we are to put other people's needs above our own. We are to be, just as Jesus was present with us in our needs, and Jesus is present with us in our brokenness, we are to then go and be present with others, or in essence, to serve other people but not out of this, I can help you because I have money, time, or my life all put together, but out of that humbled attitude of Jesus, that I just wanna be present in other people's needs because what Jesus has done for me, in turn, I can go and be present for others. I can be present in other people's needs, put their needs above mine above what I may feel is important about Christmas or what I may feel is important or what the, uh, whatever I want, you put other people's needs ahead of your own to be present with someone else. So what does that look like when you're at school and you see someone's having a hard day or you see someone who, who's feeling lonely? Or what does that look like to be present with someone in the midst of of sadness or pain? Or what does it mean to be present with someone in the, in the midst of victory and success? Does that mean that you feel jealous? Or does that mean that you feel anger? No, it means that you're present and you rejoice with people who are rejoicing. Or you, you feel sad with people who are feeling sad. What does it mean that when you're home with the kids and kids aren't acting right, what does it mean to be present with them in the midst of their sin, in the midst of their brokenness? What does it mean to be present with family around holidays that maybe doesn't perfectly get along? What does it mean to be present and humble yourself, to say, I'm gonna humble myself as Jesus humbled himself because someone else's needs are more important than mine. And just to be present within them, what's happening? when families get in cray all around the holidays? What does it mean to be present within the craziness, to not run away from it? What does it mean for you? Or maybe it's at work and someone's struggling on a project or a to-do or a task. What does it mean to be present with someone in the midst of that? What does it mean to be present when you're standing in the line at Walmart during the holidays and you're wondering why you ever went there? What does it mean to be present with someone who's there in line and they're ahead of you and they have three kids and they're really struggling? To just get mad that you're in Walmart? What does it mean to be present with them in the midst of maybe their chaos right then? You go, I, 
understand what's going on. You know, can I help you with anything? I don't know. Just what does it mean to humble ourselves to put someone else's needs ahead and to just be present with someone? Maybe that means opening up and being deeper with your family this Christmas. Maybe it means putting the phone down and just looking someone in the eye. Maybe it means just sitting next to a family member or a friend and just putting your arm around them. Just being present. I remember something Pastor Rob Shield uh, told me uh, years ago when I was in training to become a pastor. Uh, Rob pastored here for many years before he kind of took over his own congregation uh, up north. And I remember we were driving down to a hospice center and I'd never done anything like that before. And so we're driving in his truck and I asked uh, Pastor Rob, I say, uh, what am I supposed to say to this family? You know, they have a mom or a grandma that you know, only has a week, a few days left, whatever it is. What am I supposed to say to them? Like, do I, should I find like a cool Bible verse or something like that that's gonna like comfort them? Like, what, what should I do? And he just looked at me, he turned to me, kind of like maybe a little frustrated or, but he was mentoring me, so he had to show me the ways. But he looked at me and he turned to me and he said, Nathan, never underestimate the power of presence. Never underestimate the power of presence. You don't have to say anything special. You don't have to have anything figured out. Just you being there and just being present with them, looking them in the eye, listening to them, feeling their pain, feeling their sadness, understanding more about who this person is and, and, and laughing about the, the good times and just being present said, never underestimate the power of presence. And I'm a better pastor today because he told me that. Because I'm usually the quick to speak, slow to listen. But man, there is power in presence. And I think Jesus modeled that so well when he came. He didn't just come just to, to, to walk around and to get all the glory and everyone bow down to him. He came to be present with us within our brokenness. He came to be present with us within our happiness. And in turn, we're supposed to go and put other people's needs above our own, to serve others, to be present with other people. And there's power within that. And there's power within presence when you're engaged and you're actively there and present with someone because we have Jesus within us. There is power there because of who Jesus is, God with us, Emmanuel. God wants us this Christmas to maybe just take a step back and to say, I know that I had my own agenda and the, the, the things that I held dear in Christmas time. And those are really wonderful things that we get to celebrate because of what Jesus did. But also to step back and just be in awe of Jesus. Just be in awe of what he did. That he's present with us. And then we turn, get to go be present with other people and to value their needs above our own. God can use our presence for comfort and healing and joy, happiness in other people's lives. So let's embrace the true heart of Christmas who is Jesus this season. And let's in turn have that impact our lives that we might go and be different because of it and be present with other people within their needs. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for how good you are. Thank you, Lord, for being present with us, sending your son, Jesus. We get to celebrate this whole Christmas season because of you.
God, would your love affect us so much? Would your grace affect us so much, Lord, that we would in turn go love other people and say, yes, I will serve other people to be present with them within their need. Would you fill us this week? We pray this in your name. Amen.